0: Hey everyone, my name is Josephine and I will be your host for the Bitonal podcast today. Ding! So as many of you may have heard, uh, Christine is away on vacation right now to Calgary, so it's just going to be me hosting today's episode. I hope you guys don't mind that it'll just be one voice today. Anyways, how are you all? Since I don't have Christine to ask how she's doing, um, I will just ask you all, how are you? Uh, what did you do today? Anything interesting that happened this week? Let me know. Let us know. I'm always interested to see how people spend their days. Um, not in a creepy way, of course. I spent my day lounging around. I started watching Annabelle Creations and then I had to stop watching because I got too scared. And then I set up this new setup. Since Christine's not here, she has all the audio, audio tech. So I went off to uh, buy my own and so I set that set that up. I put on a face mask. I did some laundry, and now here I am. Laundry's in the wash. Uh, face mask is off, and I am feeling good. So yeah, that was kind of my day. Uh, for today's episode, I absolutely had no idea what I was gonna talk about. I was really stumped on where to even begin for ideas. I went back to um, me and Christine's little drawing board. Uh, but a lot of the topics were, I guess, more interesting with her experience. It felt more like it should be explored by two people instead of one. So, of course, me being me, I did what I did best and I went on Reddit. If you didn't know, I have been super obsessed with Reddit lately. I am on there all the time now. So I went to their um, podcast subreddit and I asked, you know, uh, I'm hosting my first solo episode this week and any suggestions for topic. And I got five responses, which I am really grateful for. And the first one was by Basque 5150 Uh, They said, do an episode on being alone slash how to deal with friends leaving after college. And then My Guy Review said, maybe a podcast episode called how to survive your first week in uni or talk about talking about the highs and lows of being with your support network for the first and then we have effie's biggest stan who said make making new friends after college and then um gregors Raymer, however you want to pronounce that uh they said you could do an episode about language fads among younger people, such as any anyhoosies, totes, and deafs, because I had mentioned all those words in my post. As you can tell from these comments and the title of the episode, I decided to go with um, the topic of being lonely and loneliness. Uh, those two, in my opinion, are not very interchangeable, but I will I will say them as if they were interchangeable, but I guess we'll explore more about the definition Um with this episode. So I really loved all these ideas that these people shared with me and I kind of wanted to uh, use a little bit of everything. Obviously that might not be possible. Uh, Like the last one about language fads, I really don't see how it can play into the topic. But everything else I'm pretty much going to be covering in today's episode. So I'll just give you like a Brief rundown of what I will be talking about, like a little subtopic here. So, the first is first week of university, second is making new friends after college, and third is just going to be an article on CBC News about more millennial women say they feel lonely despite having friends. So, that's what you're going to be listening to in today's episode. So, if you're interested in any of that, just keep on listening. So, first week of university. I think this is a great introduction to the topic of loneliness and being alone, because the first week of university, um, if you're like me and many others, is your first time being away from your family, being away from your uh, support network, um, because you you might be off in a different city like I was, or maybe even a whole new country, per se. You know, you don't have support network that face familiar face you see every day um in university and i think it's just the time where you discover yourself and i know it's very cheesy but a lot of people say it it is the time where you discover who you are as an individual as an adult if dare i say um i know you're not an adult yet but it is that transition to adulthood so that's kind of my first week and you know i felt that loneliness too i felt that uh homesickness being away from my family for the first time just not knowing how they were doing um of course you know we could always call them and um, email them i guess back when social media wasn't a thing i used to email my sisters when they were in university a lot i don't know why that was my favorite way of communicating but i did call them a lot as well So there was other methods, but it just wasn't the same as, you know, face-to-face. And, you know, another thing is that your family might not be your support network for various reasons. And in university, it is the time where, hopefully it's that time where you not only discover who you are, but figure out the support network, find some support network for yourself that hopefully will continue past university. And that's pretty much what I did. I found circle of friends, I found mentors, I found great people to look up to during four of my five years there but also beyond those years. I still hang out with a lot of people I meet in university and you know I I think I'm closer to them than any of the friends that I've made in high school unfortunately. Of course there are still some friends that I um was that I was friends with in high school that I still am friends with but for some reason I guess the connection is just different. A good friend of mine that I made actually last year, uh, she said it very eloquently. She just said, you, you change a lot in university and sometimes your high school friends can't accept that change or can't see that change and they're kind of stuck in that past where or like the past you that they know of and then they're familiar with and they kind of don't want to get to know the new you. So I think that might be. A reason why I'm closer to the friends I made in university than the friends I made in high school so yeah I think that was kind of my first week of university um, it was a hard tra- it was a hard transition and I remember like one night during the welcome week and during welcome weekend um, that was you know the week where all the volunteers all the welcome week reps were out and just you know, trying to make that transition as smoothly as possible for us first years. And I could really, I, the reason I became a Welcome Week rep was because of them. I had such a great experience. Um, I found so many people I looked up to during that week. And I remember this one moment exactly when uh, me and my friend from high school, you know, we obviously since we knew each other, we kind of hung out a lot during Welcome Week and one night we were just walking around campus just talking about missing home and family and we just started crying. We were like bawling. We were missing our family, we were so sad and the, one of our one of my building uh, reps came up to us and you know obviously asked us what was wrong and we explained to him that we were feeling so homesick and you know we just felt so sad and he just he didn't try to fix anything. He he knew he just like really empathized with us and tried to distract us and you know, that left such an imprint in my, during my first year that I wanted to give someone that experience, um, when I became a welcome week rep later on. So I, I thought the first week was hard and, but you get used to it. You get used to being alone. You get used to like doing things by yourself. And I think a lot of people in university, um, they find they find that sense of freedom and they can't get back to it. Like right now, I'm living back home with my parents and I'm like, whoa, what do you mean I can't go out whenever I want to? What do you mean I have to still like, you know, out of respect, let my parents know where I'm going? And not saying that it's a bad thing, I don't mind it. But sometimes, you know, when you're alone, you literally don't have to wait for anyone. You're just like, okay, I'm going to Tim Hortons, like peace out. Sometimes maybe, you know, I, me and my housemates, we like to, Ask each other if they want anything or if they want to come for the walk or something. But being in university gives you that freedom. Being away from your family gives you that freedom of not having to wait up on anybody. So that's kind of my first week of university slash my experience with being alone in university and just finding my sense of self without my parents or without my family. Um, Yeah. And then the next topic is making new friends after college. So we already talked a lot about this on episode five. Uh, it's The episode name is adult friendships, breakups, and shawarmas. So if you are interested in listening more about this topic, then you can head on over there. I just kind of wanted to um, just mention that I was really lonely at like last year when I worked, uh, mostly because I worked in the, at the university, and you know I thought it would be fine. I was like I still have friends. Um, I still had friends like younger friends who are still there. Like I, I'll be fine. But that was not the case. You know, all my friends are still students, so, and I work nine to five. So our schedules really never aligned that well. And you know they had bu- they were busy with exams and midterms, and I was just available. You know I was just there, and. So it was hard to find a time that worked for all of us or for the both of us. Um, So I still had that sense of loneliness. Like after work, I would just go home and do nothing. I'd just literally lay on my bed and do nothing. So that was, I felt, I feel like that was the loneliest I felt in a while. And as we talked about in episode five, I used that time to kind of learn to be okay being alone. I learned... To find joy and happiness in being alone, to be doing things by myself, and not feel like that's lonely or that's isolation or that's loneliness. It's just being alone. That like no need to psychoanalyze it. You're just alone. Doesn't mean you know you're cut off from the world or you have no one to turn to. And because I think I kind of dramatized dramatized I can't pronounce that word dramatized that that feeling just like I can't find anyone to hang out with I have no friends kind of thing so I really exaggerated that feeling but it was like no just no one was available that time it's fine you still have friends that you talk to so I kind of again learned a lot and if you spoiler alert if you haven't listened to episode five I, or if you haven't listened to our previous episode, I don't think I mentioned it in that episode. I probably mentioned it somewhere closer to episode two. Yeah, the Myers-Briggs episode. I went from being an extrovert to an introvert. As I spent more time with myself, I preferred being alone. I, I felt really overwhelmed when I was with too many people for a long period of time. So take it as you will. I think now is a great time to pause for a hydration break. I will be grabbing myself a cup of water and I hope you too will be grabbing a cup of water. Uh, Please stay hydrated in this heat and yeah, I will be back in a bit. If you like what you're hearing so far, please don't forget to rate, comment and subscribe to our podcast on any of the platforms you're listening to this on. Uh, We appreciate any feedback that you can give us and it really helps our podcast grow. Anyways, back to the main segment. Thank you. So, there is this article that I came across while I was kind of researching some statistics about loneliness. When I first saw this article, I was deeply intrigued because I am a millennial woman who feels lonely despite having friends or despite having a social life. Um, So, I clicked on this article, really wasn't expecting anything. and then I started reading it and I was like, wow, this is actually so interesting. So I'll give you like a brief rundown of the facts that they list, especially in the beginning, um, especially surrounding the study. So it, it, it was there was a poll done um, by the Angus Reed Institute, and basically they found out that women under 35 tend to express greater feelings of loneliness than other age groups despite having social lives. The poll um, surveyed more than 2,000 Canadians and they found that 6 in 10 young women sometimes or often wish they had someone to talk to but don't. This is a jump for men of the same age as 4 in 10 report similar feelings. I think that's really fascinating on its own because I would have thought gender wouldn't really matter in this situation. Because I feel like during that time, it's where everyone is having difficulties uh, transitioning into like adult friendships into building connections outside of you know school outside of work etc cetera, etc cetera. so I, I didn't think there'd be a huge discrepancy between um, male and female but I guess I guess there is and I just find that super interesting and they do um, break it down even further on why that may be so you know some of the reasons is that after school after university after work whatever like friends just drift away they move somewhere else uh, like geographically impossible to meet to meet up with them um, and then there's like scheduling and timing and just like various reasons that they go through so they also got Joshua Peters uh, to come in And talk about this a little more in the article. So he is a psychotherapist at the Center for Interpersonal Relationships and he kind of goes into more details about why women of that age may be feeling more lonely and I think it could be applicable to other age groups to also male Um, but I guess this just this article focuses on uh, younger females. Uh, so he says, vulnerability is the bedrock necessary to create strong, intimate, and comforting relationships. That was when I knew that I was really going to like this article. I think that it is absolutely true and necessary to, to, be, to be able to be vulnerable with someone you consider a close friend. And this kind of ties into the second topic of what is a good friend. Do you have a set definition? Do you have a set kind of criteria that you have, that someone has to meet for you to consider, consider them a good friend? In episode five, when we talk about adult, adult friendships, we just kind of gloss over the meaning of friendships and what you consider a friend. So like, is work friend a friend? Um, But this kind of, this episode will focus more on maybe your definition of what is a good friend my definition of a close friend is quite simple it's just someone I can be vulnerable with and I know that sounds really broad but someone I can actually not be afraid of showing some more emotions with um, I tend to be more reserved nowadays with my stories with my experiences and that's because in first year or in, yeah in my first year of university I was very open I I took the same concept, but I just went the opposite way. I thought that if I was vulnerable with someone from the get go, they would consider me a close friend because I showed them, I proved to them that I trust you enough to be vulnerable with you. Now we're close friends. And of course, that kind of backfired because a lot of people were really uh, scared off by that. You know, they, they, they probably questioned why I was exposing myself to them so much in our like first meeting kind of thing and I shared a lot of my stories with my mental health and without their consent and that's something I deeply regret now not because of the stigma or anything but because I didn't take into consideration about their mental health or their feelings at that time I didn't ask for permission to unload on them so I felt really bad about that and that's kind of where I learned uh that To be more reserved, to be a little more private with some things until I basically trust them enough to share some of my stories with. There, to me, there's no checklist that I go through to make sure that they have the criteria that meets so that they can be a close friend, so that I can be vulnerable with them. It's just more, you know, when things are right, you just kind of I play it by feelings, by intuition, as I talked. In the uh, Meyer Briggs episode, I my intuition is very high. I am an INFP, so take that as you will. Um, so I do share a lot of my personal feelings mostly to my close friends instead of just my general friends, and I do make more of an effort with close friends than um, than I would with like with my work friends or something like that, and yeah. So going off the topic of good friends, um, in the article they actually listed that 35% of Canadians say that they wish they had more good friends. And you know again, so again Peters goes more into details and says, "Um, sometimes all it takes is lowering your expectations of others. We may feel like our friends aren't good enough because we hold them to unrealistic standards. He acknowledges that friendships aren't easy and creating and maintaining friendships take work, but perseverance is key. That is absolutely correct in my in my experience. I used to put my friends in a really high unrealistic standards and you know, this, this doesn't just apply to my friends, it applies to my family as well. Uh, whenever I was going through a tough time or whenever I needed help with something, I wouldn't ask for it. I just assumed that they knew. That I needed help and when they didn't because they couldn't read my mind I got really upset you know I was just thinking they should they-, they know me they should know me better like why don't they know why don't they know that I'm upset and it took a lot of maturing and you know uh self-awareness but also awareness of the lives of others to realize that they can't read minds they don't you know they don't want to Uh, step on any toes as well, as as I realize as well. They don't want to assume that I'm going through a hard time when I'm not because I actually also really hate that when people assume that just because I'm quiet in certain situations, I'm like immediately upset about something and they get all freaked out because I'm usually a very lively person. I think it's really important to note that you shouldn't be holding these expectations for your friends or for your family members or someone you want to create a relationship with because i think it just damages the relationships because it just feels like you don't trust them in a way and i know that sounds kind of counterintuitive like you don't you you think um you're in a good relationship with them so they should know how you feel etc etc but in my eyes it's more like this person didn't trust me enough to tell me that they were feeling bad that day or if this person um, wasn't comfortable enough to share with me that they were upset about something and to me that sounds very um, inefficient I guess you could say something that may be resolved or something that could easily be talked about could have been fixed in like a matter of a conversation is now dragged on and there like feelings of resentment might come up. And I know I I see this more with my family than I do with my friends. I've become more forward with my friends. Uh, I I usually just tell them how I feel, what I need, what I want. Uh, It's something that I've been learning to do recently, just being selfish and just saying it how it is. Of course, not sounding rude, but it's also... It's also for the everyday things. Like when we decide where to go, I just say, oh, I'm craving this. What do you think? You know, instead of being like, instead of before what I used to do was just having them choose like, oh, you know, I'm good with anything. It's up to you. Don't worry about it. Like I'm pretty easygoing. I I can now voice my preferences and my choices without feeling guilty because I find it more effective. I find it more useful and productive to share my feelings and what I want rather than kind of gauge how they're feeling gauge you know what they may want and then make assumptions about it so that's really been helpful but i find it harder to do the same with my family because family is just naturally more difficult to navigate um, i still like to put their preferences or um, their needs over mine and I tiptoe around them and I, I like to make sure they're comfortable first. And they, those are all very good things. I'm not saying they're bad or anything, but sometimes it drains me and my patients a lot to do that to the point where they when they actually do need help when it comes to the more important things, I have nothing more to give them. Like I have no energy to help them, whereas if I had kind of, you know, uh, not unload, but but kind of taken off, taken that um, mental exhaustion, that emotional exhaustion kind of thing, sharing the load between um, me and my family member, then I, I would still have some energy to help them when it comes to it. And I used to be very, I used to have a lot of resentment towards my family because I thought, like, they're my family. Why don't they know that I'm upset? Why don't they care enough about me to, to know that I'm upset? And as i grow older it's just it's it's it sounds very selfish to think that because especially with my parents um i i put them i when i was a child i put them on a pedestal their mom and dad they're like superheroes they're they can do anything and when they couldn't help me or when you know they didn't know that i was going through a hard time i was like what do you mean you don't know you're so, your mom and dad you're you birthed me. You should know everything about me. Like I was very frustrated growing up, but now I realize they're humans. They are like me and you. They have flaws. They make mistakes. They have, they have personality. And I think that is the biggest thing you learn as an adult with your relationship with your parents. They're not just your parents, but they're also human beings. They're two people that That you that you like they're just two people that you could easily have met somewhere else. Your your relationship as their child really doesn't make it any different per se. Like you still put in that same amount of like you you should still put in that same amount of effort as you would as you would if you were making a relationship with another person with like a friend or a coworker or a significant other like. It takes two to tango, and I know it's difficult because I find that a lot of parents feel a little entitled to their child's patience, I guess, because they are the child, and it's it's, it's a two-way street. Um, I understand that you can't be accommodating to your to your parents a hundred percent, but you just have to understand that they are also human beings and. You know, you can't expect too much from them because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of things you can say about your parents, um, like how you want them to be, how you prefer them to be. But they could easily say that about you. You're not the perfect child either. They could easily say, oh, I wish you were like this, but you're not and they're not. And so you're not entitled to that version of them. You're entitled to whatever they are and whoever they are and kind of work with that. Because that's, that's like with every other relationship, you're not gonna make a friend and be like, "Ooh, I don't like that about you. Can you change that about yourself? No. Like, why would you do the same for your parents then? Why would you do the same for your family member if you wouldn't do the same for your friend? It's, it's, it's just those kind, of, Oh well, I really went a little too strongly on that, but I hope I kind of got my point across. I'm only passionate about it because I was at that age. I'm at that age too where I'm starting to realize all of these things and um, I, I'm i trying to work on it because I don't want to lose my relationship with my parents or with my family because of this, because of this like built up resentment that I've had from, from them not meeting my expectations, from them not meeting my ideal version of them and now I can kind of move forward with this new set of perspective about how they are people too and I can put in the effort that I'm comfortable with in order to make the relationship work and I know it's not going to be all rainbows and sunshines they may not put in the same amount of effort or they might may not even try at all but at least I can say that I've tried in making the relationship work and whatever happens happens the second part of Peter's statement is creating and maintaining friendships take work but perseverance is key So uh, again me and Christine we talked a lot about this in episode 7 gentle debates where we talk about what do women really want and we talk about how effort is just key to making any kind of relationship work and so I'm not going to talk too much about it because we already talked a lot about it in episode 7 so if you're interested in that just check it out but It's it's the same spiel, you know? You put in the effort, they put in the effort. That's how a relationship works. You feel good that they, you know, take care of you and they feel good because you take care of them. Like, that's, that's, it is what it is. It's all about effort. So the last heading under this article that I kind of wanted to talk about, which I found super fascinating, but I really don't have enough experience for this, is work environment. So the article says that loneliness could also be a side effect of more millennial women moving into traditionally male-dominated spaces like the corporate world. And wow, this blew my mind. I was like, that is actually true. Or I could actually see that happening. Um, So I'll just read you a couple more sentences from the article. There's a loss that happens when you start showing vulnerability or emotion And you're seen as falling into stereotype of what it is to be a woman, when in truth, it's a healthy manner of connecting. Peter posits that patriarchal spaces such as corporate business discourages both men and women from expressing emotion, a vulnerability required to create new friendships. So just those two sentences about how women are, women trying to, or women in the, in an usual male-dominated space are, from what I hear and from what I know a lot of my friends experience, is that they have to be one of the boys. And I hate that. I really hate that. How they kind of have to change themselves in order to kind of fit into this this mold of the corporate world, of this business world, of this harsh reality. There's some stereotypes that That are so 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 negative for women in in male-dominated spaces, like this. I think this article says it perfectly about how if you're a little more emotional, that might be seen as a negative trait for you, especially in that work, in that field, in that sector that you're in or whatever. It's more like it's seen as it's seen as a flaw it's seen as like a weakness of showing emotion when when it's actually just a sign of vulnerability or it's a it's a way to get to know someone better it's a way to make that deeper connection so that's really unfortunate that um you know some women have to face this these kind of things these kind of loneliness because they can't be truly vulnerable with their coworkers or at that workplace without fear of being judged um, fortunately, I never had that experience and uh, my sisters who are both in male-dominated spaces, they don't seem to have that issue as much. Um, but I may be wrong. They, might, they may not be telling me or it might just be so deeply ingrained from when they were in university studying that um, subject in a male-dominated uh, classroom as well that it was just it's so natural to them that doesn't seem like there's anything wrong so it would be an interesting topic to really go into for for another episode but that's pretty much it for today's episode that's all I have um if you have any comments about any of the things that I've discussed today so maybe I could shoot out some questions some call to action questions um what do you consider a good friend? I think that's a really good question to have. Uh, You know, I recently made an Instagram and a new Instagram account. I already have one, but this is like a personal, personal, personal Instagram account. And I think I'm only, I'm only following like five people on there. Three of them, four of them are actual people I can't even remember anymore but this Instagram really made me uh, question who I consider a close enough friend and I know that sounds really like judgmental or it sounds really harsh but it's for me in my head it's more like who do I trust enough to let into my personal space and I, I really can't say it any better than that because This account is my personal space. I just post whatever I feel like posting. Um, It's not not a place for me to show like pretty pictures. It's just me and my everyday life. So me going on a run. Wow, I'm proud of myself today. Takes a picture. Great, post it on Instagram. And I don't really think about it. But I post it on that personal Instagram account because I just want my close friends to know that I'm proud of myself or that I'm running or that I'm doing this without feeling like Without feeling like they're going to judge me because I know they're not. So take that as you will. Do you think that women in male-dominated spaces are lonely because they do not have that connection, that vulnerability with their coworkers or with their friends in that same field? I think that's a really good topic and I really would love to hear your input about that. So I think I'll leave you to I'll leave you with those two questions for now. If you have any other comments, please 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 reach out to us. You know, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and you can also email us if you have any topic suggestions. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and yeah. I never get to say this part, but on behalf of Christine and I, thank you for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. I'm Odd. And I'm Rags. And we play roller derby together. Yeah, we do. But we also host this kick ass podcast called Frau Pau Podcast. Hiya. So, Frau Pau is a podcast that focuses on those really uncomfortable conversations like racism and sexism and mental health and physical health and basically anything that is going to become a really interesting conversation. Anything that kind of like, pisses your dad off the one that voted for trump that's what we want to talk about you can find us on instagram at frow Pal podcast we're also on facebook at Frau podcast but not twitter because twitter's for old white men we hope you guys check us out as we always say don't, don't be, be a dick, dick.